0: So James gets practical tonight. We've been talking about, in the past couple weeks, we've been talking about temptations, trials, uh, encouragement for the believer that's going through all these testings, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, all this great stuff. There's a reason why bad stuff happens to you. And that's what we've been going over. And today we're going to get practical with what we're learning. But before that, we should pray. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, we know that we can't understand your scriptures without your spirit. Lord, we don't want to just listen and just hear stuff and it just be sound waves that pass in one ear and out the other. But Lord, we want to be changed by the things that you say. If you really are God and you really are living, we pray, Lord, that your living word would speak to us in a way that the world cannot even understand, in a way that the world wishes they had something of substance and yet they're always grasping for something and it's not really there but Lord you are alive today in your church your presence is here and we believe that and so we ask in faith Lord that you would speak to our hearts in such a way that we could leave this place not just being hearers of the word but doers as well as we'll learn in a couple weeks Lord we thank you for your spirit we thank you in advance for what you're going to do knowing that you're a good God that loves his people though we may be Wretched and sinful, and we screw up and we get angry and we say things we shouldn't and we don't listen when we should. Lord, you're faithful even when we're faithless. Give us the faith, increase our faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it says, verse 19, James chapter 1 So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Did you know that listening can protect you? Did you know that? Listening can protect you from dying. If you have a fire alarm, there's a fire inside of your house, and the fire alarm goes off with that really annoying noise. It might be really annoying, but you know what? It saves your life because you wake up. Listening can protect you from being late to school. Maybe you're the kind of person like me who needs three alarms and just recently in the past couple months had to buy a a fourth alarm that vibrates and shakes your head. Yeah, I have this alarm clock that's called like the sonic boom alarm clock because literally every other alarm fails. I have my cell phone. I have this another alarm set aside from my, you know, bed. So I have to jump out of bed. To go set off the other one. My parents will text me like, shut off the alarm. And I have this sonic boom alarm clock that has this little vibrating thing that you place underneath your pillow so it actually shakes your head so that you wake up. And so far, it's been working. It's been really good until like two days ago. And then I just shut them all off and it still fails. So I really don't know what I'm going to do from now on. But usually alarms, most normal people can wake up to the sound of their alarm. Listening can protect you from believing false doctrine. When you hear the word of God, it can protect you from listening to people that would lead you astray. Also, listening can protect you from believing rumors about a person. It can protect you from uh, believing false accusations about your friend because you're weighing it out. You're not just eager to listen to gossip, but you're saying, you know what, that sounds like it might be true but I'm going to listen to the truth. I'm going to weigh this out and see if it's really true. When we say to someone else, you're not listening to me, we assume what? We assume that the person can actually understand what it is that we mean to say, right? You wouldn't say you're not listening to me if you assume, like, the person's deaf. You're not listening to me. It's like, I can't hear. You wouldn't say that to a baby, a baby that can't understand what you're saying. Imagine cute little Abby. You're not listening to me! It just stares at you because it doesn't understand what you're saying. But when we closely examine what does it mean to understand someone, what does it mean to listen to someone, we find out that this concept of listening is actually really complex. Let's just, let's just for a second examine what does it mean to listen to someone. When your parents tell you hey, I want you to take out the garbage, right? Very simple command, and you know exactly what they mean, but how do you know that the garbage they think up in their mind, they have an image of garbage in their mind that they want you to complete. Maybe they have this image of you in their brain where you're joyfully taking out the garbage in the living room and emptying it out into the trash, but your image is you doing it begrudgingly and you're taking out the bathroom garbage or it's the wrong garbage or it's a different color garbage or maybe it's like, I don't know, some chew toys or maybe it's your dead cat in the garbage. You have a different idea what the garbage looks like. I'm sorry. I don't like cats. You have a different mental picture and different location in your mind. Shh, shh, shh. I have two of them. You have different ideas of what your garbage looks like, but there's no mistake in your mind or your parents' mind when they say, take out the garbage, you understand exactly what they mean. How is this possible? Well, God has designed our brains with this amazing capacity for our minds to communicate with others. What I mean by that is, if you don't understand what a a word means, it's just going to come out like gibberish. It's not going to make any sense to you, right? If I said the word Wahoovi to you, if you don't know what that means, then it's meaningless. But we all have concepts, even though we have different ideas of what those concepts could mean, we all pretty much understand what it means when we say, take out the garbage, what we means when we say, hey, I'll be there at one o'clock at the diner, or something like that. Because we all have these different universals in the world that we can point to and say, this means that and this means this. And that only is because God has created this this complex design within us, our brains with this capacity for our minds to communicate with other people. I mean, you probably never thought about how complex it is for you to actually listen and comprehend and understand what it means to know something. What does it mean for you to hear something? But at the same time, because maybe you're thinking, I've never thought of that in my life. At the same time, we often will play dumb in order to excuse ourselves from being responsible. Maybe you said, well, I never thought about it like that. But at the same token, you do it all the time. You'll pretend like you don't overhear your friends gossiping so you don't have to break it up. You'll pretend like, oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear you curse just now. I didn't hear you say that about this one person so that you wouldn't have to challenge that person. Hey, is it really cool for you to be making fun of that person? Is it really cool for you to be making fun of God? Is it really cool for you to be posting that on Facebook or Tumblr? Is it cool for you to be doing these things in this way? We don't want to be responsible for what it is that we hear, so we pretend like, oh, I don't, I don't even hear it. I don't even understand. You'll be disobeying your parents because you rationalize that they weren't clear enough. Even though you know exactly what your parents mean, you'll say, well, you didn't really make yourself clear. I had a junior high student once Uh, tell me on a junior high retreat, I miss them so much, but uh, they're just so funny. I told one, I told all the students, hey, on a retreat, meet us at the chapel at one o'clock. Do not be late. Everyone has to be at the chapel at one o'clock. And so 105, 110, I find this one kid, hey, where were you? He said, well, you said everyone has to be at the chapel. You didn't say me. It's like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So sometimes people refuse to listen because they don't want to be responsible for what they hear. And this is the key that we're really going to get at tonight is that oftentimes we don't want to be responsible for the things that come in through our ears. And so we'll ignore it altogether. For instance, the issue of abortion. It's a very difficult topic. And it strikes a lot of chords in a lot of people. And people are very passionate and emotional about it. So when we hear it in our schools the topic about abortion or people talk about it very lightly, you want to pretend, oh, I didn't hear that because then you'd have to be responsible for is it is that you hear and you'll have to act upon it. Maybe if you're not a Christian here today, you'll hear the gospel and you're responsible to act on it. You say, oh, I don't want to think about God. I'll think about that when I get old. Think about that when I'm dying or or something like that. And you don't hold that and say... Well, it, maybe it could be that I die today. People die young all the time and you see it in the news. And maybe I should be responsible for what it is that I hear. And so James says here, let every man be swift to hear. Meaning you seek it out. You hear stuff. You're responsible. You're putting yourself in a position in which you hear things. And these days there are so many options of things you, you can choose to listen to. But Christians are to be Paying attention. What is it that the world is saying about Jesus? What is it that the world is saying about these topics and issues in life? And we can't be ignorant of, about them. We have to, as First Peter challenges us, to gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? It means take all these loose ends, all the things that you could be possibly thinking about. You're thinking about food, thinking about taking a shower because you smell. You're thinking about this ideology or you're thinking about what this person said Wrap your minds all together. Take all that in and think soberly. Think clearly. And that's what Christians are called to do is really think about what it is that's coming in through your ears. Be careful about the music that you listen to. Be careful about the things that you watch on TV. Because you say it doesn't influence you, but I'm pretty sure it did when I was in high school. I'm not saying that all music that isn't Christian is not redeemable music and you shouldn't listen to it because obviously that's just weird because that means you couldn't listen to like Mozart. And I don't think anyone's ever stumbled into sin because they listened to like Beethoven or Mozart. But what I am saying is we have to be responsible with the things that come in through our ears and be swift to hear. Be accountable. Be ready. Now I'm going to tell you, two people that you should listen to today, two types of people that you should listen to. First of all, we are to listen to God. First of all, we got to listen to God. And you may think, oh, well, I always listen to God. I mean, come on now, I'm a Christian. That's what I do. I listen to the voice of the Savior. Well, let me ask you something, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. How does God speak to his people? If you can't answer this, so help you. How to okay his word? What's another way? What's that? The Gettysburg. <laughs> <laughs> Through his word, yes. Through prayer. Through prayer. Okay, perhaps. Grapes. What's that? Grapes. Grapes? Grapes. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, I, I'm sorry. I just I can't hear you. Dreams. I can't listen. Okay, dreams. Yeah, I have, to, I have to practice it right now. Shh, shh. All right, so we know that God speaks through the Word, and the Word comes out through what? Bible reading and what? What am I doing right now? I'm preaching, okay. So through other people, through pastors, through the preaching of the Word, through the teaching of the Word, through Bible reading. Now, if you met your favorite band What's your favorite band? I don't know. Don't be embarrassed. What? (laughs) One Direction. Okay. Shh. Whatever it is that your favorite band is, maybe Josh Girls, fill in the blank your favorite band. Shh. Fill in in the blank your favorite band. If they came up to you and they had a special message for you and they wanted to tell you something that was specific to you, what would you do with it? you probably record it for later, right? You put it on, you take out your phone. It's really interesting. I saw this uh, meme the other day. It was just yesterday. The difference between 2005 and 2013 at the, the Pope's inauguration or whatever they call it, the, the process for the Pope. In 2005, it's just a whole bunch of people standing. In 2013, every single person has a smartphone and is taking a video because you want to record something that you, you would want to remember, right? If something seems like you would want to remember it for the rest of your life. You want to record it or write it down or do something. So if you really believe that God is speaking to you, do you record what he's telling you? If you really believe that the God of the universe wants to say something to you through the word, through preaching, do you write it down? Do you record what he's telling you? Do you take notes on a Sunday service? When you're sitting in with everyone else, And no one's holding you accountable. No one's saying, hey, you should take notes. Are you paying attention? Are you saying, this is the word of God and it could be speaking something directly to me and I'm going to write it down? Do you journal when you write your Bible? Do you have a pen out when you're reading your devotions? Do you mark your Bible up? Do you write down things in a journal or a notebook? You see, the keys to the universe are often found in the word of God. And what God wants to teach us and and used to grow us is found right in his word. And all it depends on is, are you willing to find out what it is that he has to say to you? Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said to his disciples, he replied, you you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But those who are not listening, even what what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That's why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. Their ears cannot hear, and they've closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. Their ears cannot hear. Their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Oftentimes we're going through so many struggles in life or we're going through so many difficulties and we're not even allowing ourselves to be in a position where we can hear the word of God. And we say there's priorities in my life. There's, there's things, good things, sports, school, uh, family situations, things that are going on in my life. And you say these are good things and I have to make them a priority. But oftentimes when the good things become our ultimate things, they block out the voice of God that might be trying to reach us in the midst of our trials. So all I'm trying to say is be careful that you do not so harden your heart against the Lord that you miss out on the miracles that he wants to do in your life. Be careful that you don't so get used to sitting in a Sunday service or at an impact service where someone's preaching the word and you're so used to it just happening That you just assume that God's not going to speak to you. You get so used to reading your Bible in the morning or at night whenever you read it. And you're so used to making this habit that you just, you never, it never strikes you that maybe God wants to say something new to you. Maybe God wants to speak to your heart. Also, we are to be slow to speak when it comes to God. And oftentimes you have so much to say to him, right? Maybe you're not even a Christian. There's so many things that you would love to say to God and you have so many requests so many things that you would like to ask him, so many prayer requests, so many needs. But often just being in God's presence should humble us enough that we see that our needs are actually really small. Ecclesiastes 5, one through two says, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God after all. God is in heaven and you are here on earth so let your words be few I feel like so many of the problems that we have in this life and here on this earth would be eradicated removed the minute we saw the glory of God in our lives the minute you see God's goodness you see the things that he wants to do in your life it kind of shuts you up you're like geez all right I feel stupid because I just wanted just like, I was asking for stupid things and God totally had this elaborate plan that he wanted to unfold in my life, but I was just not willing to listen. Are you willing to listen to the voice of God and not so be concerned about what you're gonna say? Are you willing to listen to what God himself wants to speak to his church, to his people, to the world? So that's why we are to remember who God is and to be slow to speak with him. But also this applies to men we're also to be swift to hear with men meaning there's a responsibility for us as christians to listen to each other and i'm not talking about gossip or believing the worst about someone i'm not saying you should be swift to hear bad things about someone else and some people are quick to listen to the bad mouthing of others proverbs 17:4 says wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay attention to slander. 1 Timothy five nineteen says, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. So the Bible actually instructs us that when you're quick to hear gossip, that's a bad thing. It shows that there's evil inside your heart. But what I mean to say is, are you a good listener? Are you good at listening to your friends? Are you good at listening to what people have to say? People you, de- you don't get along with. Maybe your parents. Are you good at listening? And maybe you think, oh, I'm a great listener. I can listen to my girlfriend talk on the phone forever. And you think you're a great hearer. But that's not what I'm talking about either. I'm talking about how do you deal with rebuke? How do you deal when people point out things in your life that are wrong? Sin. Someone says, hey, you know what, you're, I know this sounds weird, but you are really proud. There, I just said it. You're really proud. How do you deal with those kinds of rebuke? Do you automatically activate your defense mechanism and say, oh, who does this person think that they are? Telling me I'm proud, telling me I'm angry, telling me that I'm this or that. And some people are automatically defensive, but Proverbs 25, 12 says, to one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry jewelry proverbs 25 12 so to the wise person to the person who listens criticism could be the very word of god going to you to point out sin that's in your life that you got to correct and if you don't correct it you're going to wind up in a world of trouble You might be that person that's stuck up or might be that person that's proud that doesn't see it in themselves and all their friends just leave you. If you don't ever listen to other people. I'm not saying everyone's like that. I'm just saying. Also, do you listen to a person who repeatedly has a history of hurting you? That one's a hard one too. Do you listen to someone who's in the business of saying things uh, hurtfully? Or saying things in a way that'll make you upset. Oftentimes what we'll say to this kind of a person, the person that we're on bad standing with, is things like, I already know what you're gonna say, or nothing that you say to me will convince me. Or maybe we'll look at them and think that they're automatically lying, right? Well they'll tell us stories about this is why I did this or this is what happened. And you'll look at like their body language, oh, he shifted his eyes when he was looking at me, that's how I knew he was lying, or I'm not going to believe what he says. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, often we will not listen to what someone has to say because we have already resolved what to believe. That is almost the to the T, the, the main point of tonight's sermon is oftentimes we will not listen to what someone has to say because we have already resolved what it is that we want to believe and we forget that even Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10 says that God only God can tell you the future before it happens only God knows the end of the matter only God knows the future and the past and the present infallibly only God knows the correct view of history without a God's eye of a view of history there really is no objective view of the world It's just all what people say and all what people think. So this is an important point. Remember it, and we're going to talk about it and prove it later. If you disagree with me, well, sorry, we'll prove it by the word of God, and then you'll disagree with God. Secondly, we are to be slow to speak with others. Not just slow to speak with God and not just swift to hear with God and men, but also slow to speak with others. Just as we are responsible with what we hear we are responsible with what we say. Check out this verse. Maybe you've never even heard this verse before because I didn't even notice it was in the Bible until recently. This is Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Jesus says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. That should cause us to think twice about the things that we say. No? Am I wrong? Do I get an amen? No, I don't. Think about lying. How many of us don't take the time to faithfully consider what we're saying when we lie? In the Bible, in Acts chapter 5, there's a story of Ananias and Sapphira. They were people in the church that determined to sell their property Take the money, give half of it to the church, and say that it's all the money. And by doing that, they conspired to keep back half of the money that they sold for themselves. But intentionally, they decided to lie to the church and say, hey, it's all the money. And you know what happens? It's really drastic. The people die. Both of them die. They fall on the floor. They're dead. It might seem really harsh, but the whole point is that uh, the apostle Peter says that they lied to the Holy Spirit and that they should have deeply considered the responsibility for their words before God. And sometimes you're rationalized. Maybe they even thought, I'm not saying this is what they did think, but maybe they thought, hey, by keeping back half the money, we can give it to other people or we can give it for our own needs or we'll look more holy or maybe we'll encourage more people to give because they think that we gave all of our money or something like that. They may have had uh, good reasons behind their lie, but it was still a lie. And I think there's, there's something I mean, this is one of the most difficult questions I've wrestled with in my life for this past year. Is it ever okay to lie? Is it ever okay to lie? Because the Bible obviously says you that you shouldn't lie. And then you think about extreme examples, right? Well, what about the people that were hiding the Jews during World War II? And what about the people that, don't laugh at me when I can't talk. What about the people that we're lying to hide the babies, the midwives uh, in Egypt. What about Rahab when she lied? What about those circumstances? Under extreme circumstances of death, isn't it okay to lie sometimes? I think no, but that's a, another sermon for another time. What I am saying is we should carefully consider our responsibility with our words because what we say, we're held accountable by every single idle word that we're going to say. And if we're just going to say things carelessly, saying, hey, I'm going to lie here, I'm going to make that person feel better by lying to them and saying that they look good, or I'm going to lie to this person by saying this, and it's going to have a, uh, a good outcome in the end or something like that. Because we don't know the end of the matter, we, because we don't see as God sees, we have to be very careful about the things that we do choose to say. Also, it should uh, cause us to consider uh, when we fail to represent Jesus. Think about Peter and his denial of Jesus, how he thought all of a sudden, all right, well, my Messiah, my Savior, my God is being crucified. This is weird. And he starts denying Jesus three times. He was not carefully considering what he was doing. And sometimes you'll be in a position in which you can stand up for the word of God, and you can stand up for Jesus, and then you just totally flunk it. I flunked it two days ago or Monday. I was in the gunks and I was mad tired and I was coming home and I was wearing a t-shirt that could be implied to be a Christian t-shirt and a Starbucks barista asked me about it and I was like, oh yeah, it's just a t-shirt and I walked around and I just laughed and I was just like, oh, I am a failure and I am because I'm a coward but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be a coward. No, that doesn't mean that you should be a coward too. There's so much temptation in us To just give up sometimes. There's so much temptation in us to not be bold. But what the scriptures tell us is that we have to be carefully considering what it is that we're doing with our words. And now I know for next time. That was a good lesson for me. And next time, you know what? I'm going to be prepared with what I'm going to say. We also should be deeply considering language that comes out of our mouth dirty jokes, foul language. You know, Matthew 12, I always quote it out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever it is that's in your heart, it comes out. It doesn't just jump out. It's just, I don't know where that came from. You just say something terrible to someone. Like, oh, I don't know where it came from. I can tell you where it came from. It came from your heart. It's because you have filthy things lurking in your heart. And you know what? There's plenty of people in the church that say, hey, it's okay to say this. It's okay to say that. It's okay to joke about this around certain people. But you know what you're doing? You're living a double life, number one, because you act one way in front of youth leaders. You would never say that in front of me or any of the other leaders here or certain Christian friends, you're living a double life, and you're going down a very slippery slope. Looking down at, uh, looking at my friends that have left high school ministry now that I'm 24 years old, and you know I've moved on, I've seen a lot of my friends move on to ministries, and a lot of them have fell. And a lot of them that have fell are the same people that were in high school that were making the dirty jokes, the same people that are saying, oh yeah, I love Jesus in church, and then they would curse when they're not around Their parents, or when they're not around youth leaders, the same exact people. And if you're not paying attention to what it is that you're saying and you're not carefully considering those things, you're down a very slippery slope. And I'm just warning you because that's what the Bible calls us to do. We also have to carefully consider when we judge another person. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. When we don't begin to listen to the facts, And we start to judge people. We can often develop these false scenarios in our heads, right? We don't listen to everything. We don't give them the benefit of the doubt. And we just assume the worst. You know, your friend is supposed to meet you at this place at this time. They don't do it. And you assume, ha, well, that's because they're really mad at me. And that's because they said this to me yesterday. And they must just really just want to, you know, uh, make me feel terrible. So this is why they're acting that way. But maybe the person got in a car accident. You don't know. Is your knowledge infallible? No. So you gotta give that person the benefit of the doubt because you don't know the end of the matter. But so often it will be quick to judge another person. How many times have you just been so angry that you start like sending text in anger? And then you just pick up your phone and you're like, oh, show them, and you just like you're speeding, your like thumbs are sweating, and you're just going off the longest message ever. And it's almost like you don't even care what you say anymore. It's just like you're trying to overpower them with the amount of words you can fit in a text message, especially if you have an iPhone because there's no limit at all. You just go forever. You know, back in the day, I heard a pastor talk about this the other day, but he was saying how, like, back in the day, if you're mad at someone, you had to, like, mail a letter, you know, put a stamp on it, you walk to the post office and mail it, and you'd have to still be angry. Now you can have, like, instant anger, instant venting of your frustration, instant anger, instant message anger. Don't do it. Which leads us to our next point. We are to be slow to wrath. Why? Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And sometimes we'll feel justified in our anger at someone. You've maybe heard it said, there is righteous anger. But here it says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Why? Because like we said before that only God sees the heart and the situation infallibly. And that's why we are to entrust the situation to him. Here's a cool verse in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse 21 through 22. It says, also do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. You know what that means? Oftentimes you'll think about like, okay, you overhear someone gossiping about you. You'll hear the most... uh, minuscule things said about you in a a manner that you don't like to see yourself or a light you don't like to see yourself in. And so it makes you really depressed. I can't believe that they would say that about me. I thought they were my friend and stuff. But just think about how many times you have said something lightheartedly about someone, but you weren't really serious. You just kind of like said it to make fun of the person. But you didn't really actually mean anything uh, mean by it. But someone, if they took that and heard that, they would probably hurt them. So what Ecclesiastes is, is saying is that you know how many times you yourself do the exact same thing. Maybe you feel the need to rebuke someone that's in sin, but maybe there's a plank in your own eye. Maybe you feel the need to point out, hey, this person's doing that and they're just a terrible person, we need to fix this about them. But maybe you have the same exact problem and you wouldn't know unless you listened to the word of God and listened to what your brothers and sisters and the Lord are telling you. You have to listen to wise counsel. Why? Because often we will not listen to what someone has to say because we have often resolved in our hearts what we already want to believe. We'll not listen to what people are telling us because we already got it figured out. I have resolved in my heart what I want to believe about this situation or this individual or this this God that we believe in. So we often think that we know God's purposes and we act rashly without carefully considering our responsibility. And that's what wrath does. It boils in, in you and if you're not, uh, you're not giving it to the Lord, if you're not trusting in God with your anger, even if it's righteous anger, even if it's uh, well-deserved anger for someone making fun of you or saying stuff about this other person, if you're not keeping the anger in check and giving it up to God, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Turn to John 18 with me. I want to show you an illustration of this in the scriptures themselves. John chapter 18, we're just going to read the first 11 verses. This is just to give you an idea of where we are. This is the, the betrayal of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, and which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief of priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, "'Whom are you seeking?' Notice they're bringing torches and weapons. These people are already on the defensive. They're assuming that Jesus is going to fight back when he's being betrayed. And so Jesus asked, whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to him, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. You see, they didn't even realize what he was saying. Who were they seeking? They were seeking God of the universe. And Jesus wanted to make that clear to them, but they didn't hear it, so he had to repeat it a second time. They had their presuppositions of what they wanted to do, and they thought by betraying Jesus, they thought by handing him over and crucifying him, they were actually doing a good deed for God. These were the, the religious people of the day. These were the Jewish people that were the priests. And they thought they were doing this for God's sake by betraying god himself by betraying jesus so jesus asked them whom are you seeking and they didn't realize even when they fell back by this the sheer power of of the words that he spoke they were not carefully considering what what it was that they were doing so jesus said i told you that i am he therefore if you seek me let these go their way meaning the disciples that the same might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom you gave me i have lost none Then Simon Peter, having the sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Now, so here's the picture. So Peter, one of the disciples, is so passionate about Jesus and so, uh, so wrathful and so filled with anger, righteous anger. I mean, why was he angry? Because his Messiah, his Savior, was being turned over to be killed, right? So he takes his sword and he chops off this dude's ear. Righteous anger, wrong action. And even Jesus rebukes him and says, put your sword in your sheath. Shall I not drink this cup with uh, which my father has given me? Because you see, he didn't understand, even though Peter had a right motive, he had the wrong action because he did not realize God's purposes, we can't assume that we know God's purposes. We have to listen to his voice. We might get defensive because other people badmouth God or flaunt their sin or do these things, but we have to be open to God's direction on how he will want us to act. When people hurt us, we must not act rashly, but we have to be open to God's direction and how to love those who hurt us. Now, you might say, what about a person who's clearly pretending to be Christian? They're just in this youth group to cause harm and they're not even really a Christian. Well, in Matthew chapter 13, there's a parable of the wheat and the, and the weeds, the wheat and the tares, where Jesus simply says you have the wheat and the weeds. The wheat are the people that are true Christians, and the weeds are the ones that pretend to be Christians. And Jesus says, let them grow together. And then at the harvest, they'll be separated, and then you can throw out the weeds. But if you chop the weeds. Now you might take some wheat with you as well and take some of the good people. So let them grow together and then you separate them at the end. And In the same way, sometimes you just got to let those wolves and sometimes you just got to let those toxic people uh, be around because you can't judge the motive of their heart. Maybe they really are genuine and maybe they really are want, uh, wanting to be saved and, and want to pursue God and we can't judge them. We have to look from God's perspective and not look from the perspective of man. So in conclusion, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. What this means is don't go to bed angry and wake up the next morning and still be angry about that one thing. It's going to eat at you. Why? Because it's giving a place for the devil to say, All right, you have this anger lingering in you. Now let's take a, a human action. Let's take a very fleshly action and act it out. Psalm 4, verse 4 through 5, which is the verse that, which uh, Ephesians quotes from, says, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. How hard is it to be really angry at someone and not move? But that's exactly what God calls us to do. Why? It says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Whenever it is that you want to jump to an action because you're angry and you're not slow to wrath, it's because you're trusting in your own ability to take on vengeance on someone else. You're trusting in your own ability to fulfill God's purposes. And what God would have to say to you is to wait on him and let your words be few and trust in him and his ways and he will direct your paths. So the important application for us Christians is not to take marriage into our own hands, but to trust the Lord. And how do you do that? You have to listen to him. So maybe you've been talking so much in your prayers that you haven't taken time to listen to God. Or maybe God has already spoken to you on an issue. Maybe God has already said something to you and you just want a different answer and so you're just waiting to hear what it is that you want to hear and you're not really listening to sound doctrine. Maybe you have a situation on your hands in which you think is unredeemable. Maybe you think that the situation I'm going through, this person is just so difficult or this person is annoying me so much or I just feel like I, I don't think how, I, can, I can't see how God could take this situation and bring it for good. But remember that God had the salvation of the world planned out of a seemingly unredeemable situation of the God of the universe dying on the cross for our sins. And if he could do that, bringing the possible out of the impossible, he could do the same with us. So, lastly, I'll ask you tonight. Everyone, look up here. Let me just be honest with you and let me just be frank with you. Have you resolved in your heart what you want to believe about yourself? Have you looked at the state of your life and said, I'm doing okay? And you're really not doing okay at all. And you know it. Deep down inside, you know that you're wretched and you're blind and you're hungry, and you got nothing else going on in your life, and you have no future, but you just pretend. You listen to what it is that you want to hear because it encourages you, it keeps, keeps you moving, but then you have to find other means of inspiration because it's going to leave you dry and empty. And what the Word of God would say to you tonight is that listening can, can protect you. By listening to the Word of God, you can save yourself from a world of troubles. But sometimes those troubles can only be prevented by experiencing hurt now. By experiencing self-denial now. It's really hard to hear the word of God and want to change anything about your life. It's really hard to hear that you're a wretched sinner. It's really hard to, to hear that you've been living a lie. And then say, you know what, I am and I need to change my life. Especially if no one else is on the same path with you. Especially if your family's not with you on that. Especially if your friends are against you and saying, "Well, you think you're like holier than us now? You're just as bad as everyone else." It's really hard to follow the voice of the Lord. It's really hard. But you know what? If we harden ourselves against the Lord and His voice, you keep that habit, you might find yourself in a place where you just never hear from Him ever again. And then you cry out to Him, Lord, Lord, hear hear my voice. This is my need, I I need your presence, I need this. But if you're not willing to repent of your sin and you're not willing to come to the throne of grace, there might be a point in which you harden your heart so much that you don't even want anything to do with the Lord after all. So if you're in God's church here today, I'm gonna ask that you hear what it is that God has to say to his church and that's to be listeners, to hear what it is that he has to say to you tonight, which might mean that you self-examine And that you look at the state of your life and you ask yourself that hard question. Is there something in my life that I'm not getting rid of?